Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776 to 1963, and Survival of the Richest, Donald Jeffries, separates the real from the unreal. Fact from fiction. Fact from fiction. Reverse engineering our manufactured reality. And now, from just outside the swamp-infested Washington, D.C., this is I Protest with Donald Jeffries. And welcome to I Protest. This is Donald Jeffries coming to you from just outside the swamp of the best of Washington, D.C., as the man says, every Friday at this time, 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, my guest today is somebody I've interviewed before. And uh, one of my, I think one of the foremost examples of uh, citizen journalists that we have out there today, Jason Goodman is a former director, cinematography, and visual effects specialist who founded Crowdsource the Truth more than seven years ago and has now become perhaps the nation's most experienced counter-lawfare practitioner. Jason, it's been too long. How you been? I'm well, Don. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's I, I, I'm a great admirer of your work. I, I talked you up. I mentioned you in, uh, in my book, Masking the Truth, How COVID-19 Destroyed Civil Liberties and Shut Down the World. And with that statement, uh, <laughs> we know this thing is going to be taken off right after it's there. So enjoy the live stream. You'll have to catch it somewhere else. But... Um, you know, because you you were one of the first ones uh, to uh, to go out there and, and film the empty hospital, so that's just fantastic work. And that's when I look at that, not only is it entertaining, but it just that's what real journalists do. So that's why I admire people like you, and I like to try to like to have people like you on the show because uh, you know we don't have any journalists anymore, and it's wonderful that you're doing what you're doing. So, how have you been? And why don't you tell us what you're working on now? Well, thank you for all those kind words. And, you know, it's interesting because I didn't really like set out to be a journalist. And what's also interesting is that people who want to insult me will say, oh, well, you're not a journalist. And it's I mean, it's not like it's that important to me to be a journalist. It's not like little Jason was, you know, dreaming of being a journalist. But, you know, I, I really mostly consider myself just a, a curious and dissatisfied citizen and when they said hey you know all this and that is happening it just didn't seem plausible to me and i just went out to look at it and as you're saying it, it sort of really i think struck a nerve with people because i think a lot of people had the same kind of inkling but when you go yeah. and actually document it i mean you know there's a, mm -hmm. it's it's so strange what's going on don because i have to say you know i gave you that little bio to read about counter lawfare and all that and it's funny that you, you're telling me that your audience mostly knows me from walking around and discovering those hospitals. But my story yeah. goes back, I think, before that, because in 2017, when all these lawsuits started against me, I really believe that it was the precursor to this effort to contain what they're calling disinformation, right? Mm -hmm. You never really heard about that term disinformation. I mean, it's one of those things right. that's sort of self-explanatory. So I guess it's been around forever. But it, it, I mean, since 2000, let's say 22, it's it's been the buzzword of all buzzwords like we've never heard before. Right. Disinformation. Have you, had you ever heard that before? No, it's become well. We had a disinformation czar for a while, right out of. Uh, right well, wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's just not mention <laughs> anybody by name because I have certain um, uh, court orders against me. I'm not oh. kidding. I'm not kidding. Oh. And wow. so, yeah. what I what I was getting at is this disinformation yeah. thing 
it 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 was a kind of a precursor to COVID, right? And it's almost like if we, for the sake of argument, say that somebody knew COVID was going to happen and they wanted to be able to, for the you know, hypothetical sake of argument, contain dissident views, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I, I believe that 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 effort was being sort of exercised on me initially because, you know, we've heard about the FBI and this plan to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, right? Have you followed Mm -hmm. the trial of the United States versus Adam Dean Fox? They framed this guy basically, right? You had four people in a car, three of them were working for the FBI. And one guy is on trial. He, he's like a dumb guy who's smoking yeah. weed in the basement of a laundromat, and they're saying he's the yeah. criminal mastermind <laughs> plotting to kidnap the, yeah. the governor of uh, Michigan. But I, I think that, Don, the FBI and other government agencies, we see evidence like that case where, uh, you know, at the trial, Adam Dean Fox's attorney cross-examined the FBI. Special Agent Christopher Long said he's aware that the mm-hmm. FBI is contracting uh, with individuals to interact with people online and to do these sort of things. So, you know, I think these lawsuits are coming at me from contractors and uh, government agencies who are trying to suppress this information and they, they can't do it out in the open. You know, I haven't broken the law. They can't arrest me. Well, what well, you you mentioned the lawsuits? I mean, I just assumed when you mentioned it that it had something to do with the empty hospitals, but they started before that. So, what yeah. what are they? I mean, how do they? What kind of disinformation do they claim you were peddling even before COVID? Well, uh, you know, the first lawsuit that was brought against me was brought by Robert David Steele, who maybe that's oh, yes, yes. your fam- listeners have heard him. of. You know, he yes. says he's a former CIA officer. Now, I've never. Right seen any evidence of that other than his own claims and of course the cia will not confirm or deny that most of what he said appeared to be sort of totally false to me so that claim could easily be a lie but he says he's a cia officer so is he or is he not i don't know but he was suing me for um yeah like almost seven years then he allegedly died that was for defamation so it had nothing to do with disinformation it was just him saying that I had lied when I accused him of charity fraud. But of course, I had a lot of evidence that he was using a 501c3 public charity to engage in various financial frauds. And of course, even in alleged death, I've identified things that I believe are happening with the charity that indicate fraud. So it's hard to say. I mean, maybe Robert David Steele was working for the CIA and maybe his purpose uh, at this later stage of his career was to interact with people like me on the internet and to promote various narratives. He appeared right. I was when I was on uh, uh, Caravan to Midnight. I think one time he was the. Uh, I, I was on one hour and he was on the next hour or something. So that's the first time I had heard of him. But yeah, and he his death was certainly a, a bit bizarre because he was very outspoken about COVID, like we all were. And then he supposedly got it. And I think there was a photo of him in the hospital on a ventilator or something. Well, no, it was a photo of him in the hospital with an oxygen mask on. But the report was that he was in the hospital with a ventilator. And you see that immediately put up my radar because that's contradictory evidence. See, Mm -hmm. and it it 
I'm not going to say that it fooled you. I don't mean to say that you have been fooled. I'm just saying yeah. it did plant a recollection at the top yeah. of your mind that he yeah. had died from being on a ventilator and you have some recollection of seeing a photo. So see, that's disinformation, putting out a photo of something and then telling somebody it's something else to create this sort of false notion. I've seen other evidence that causes me to believe, you know, contradictory evidence that causes me to believe that maybe Robert David Steele faked his death. And so, you know, it creates this whole sort of decision tree where if we believe that Robert David Steele was a CIA officer, well, we certainly must believe it's not beyond the capabilities of the CIA to fake the death of someone. And, you know, you hear that, oh, fake the death, it's so fantastic, conspiracy theory, blah, blah, blah. But we are aware that the FBI or even the NYPD, you know, various law enforcement agencies, you know, we've heard of the witness protection program, right? That's not the tooth fairy. It's not the Easter bunny. It's a real thing. When people become informants for the mafia, the FBI or whoever gives them a new identity. Well, so that includes having a new driver's license. That includes having a new name. That includes having all kinds of legal documents. There was actually a KGB agent who uh, was interviewed by Lex Friedman about a year ago, and he spoke about how he defected from the KGB. He met an American woman. You know, he was a KGB spy living in the United States, met an American woman, had a kid, abandoned the KGB, and then years later in his life was approached by the FBI. They knew who he was. He became some kind of an informant for the FBI, and they sort of laundered this guy's identity into reality in exchange for him having helped the FBI. And he described various aspects of the process. Now, obviously, you and I don't have the ability to go to the Social Security uh, Administration or whatever and get a Social Security card made or go to the DMV and get a DM, you know, a driver's license made under some different name. But there are agencies that can do that. If we have a witness protection program, they must be able to do that. So I'm not saying that I have evidence that Robert David Steele faked his own death, but there are dubious elements of evidence to support sure. the claim that he's dead. And well, at this point, we can question everything about, about everything associated with this. I mean, exactly. it, there, there's so much, uh, you know, high strangeness, as you would say. Well, well explain what, what is the term you, you said you're counter lawfare. What, what is it? What exactly does that mean? Well, because, see, this lawsuit that Robert David Steele brought against me from the moment that he brought it, I was disparaging it as a fake lawsuit. And, and people were confused by that kind of designation because uh, obviously it was a real lawsuit. It was filed in the Eastern District of Virginia. It, it existed as a lawsuit. But by calling it a fake lawsuit, what I meant was it, it was completely based on falsehoods. Uh, you know, Robert David Steele knew that the things that I was saying about him were true. He knew that his... 501c3 public charity was not properly organized. For instance, I had gone to the extent of researching the thing, and there's a law in Virginia that controls nonprofit corporations, and it says that the thing has to have a, a, a you know bylaws when it's set up, and that there's got to be a board of directors, and he didn't have that. So I started making various factual claims that he didn't like, so he brought this lawsuit as a way of shutting me up. And I, I realize I'm going into a lot of detail. I hope I'm not boring your audience, but it's important for no. people to understand because this is the same thing that's happening to Donald Trump. And I allege that there is connective tissue 
between the lawsuits against me and the lawsuits against Donald Trump. And I realized that it might sound, you know, self-important and like I'm trying to build up my own situation. But I say that because individuals who have been involved in litigation with me are also involved in the lawsuits against Trump. For instance, the term lawfare, everybody's heard it lately, and it obviously means the weaponization of the law and the use of the law as an element of warfare. But there is also a nonprofit organization called the Lawfare Institute. It's a component of the Brookings Institution. And the individuals who are directors of that were involved in emailing James Comey about things that led to the Mueller investigation. And I've sued one of the individuals who's involved in those emails. And again, I believe it has provoked these lawsuits against me. So lawfare is the weaponization of law. And the problem with it is if you go to a standard attorney, and I think part of the problem that President Trump is having right now is that it's a mechanism of law that is designed to confound lawyers, to get them you know, stuck in the weeds of the lawsuit so that you lose there in court and you lose money, you lose time. Look at what's happening to Trump. He could lose the presidential election over this. Lawfare is very sophisticated. So when I say that I'm a counter lawfare practitioner, it's important for your listeners and viewers to understand. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an attorney. I've never been to law school. But for the past seven years, I've been defending myself against these malicious lawfare actions. Well, who else is besides obviously the steals with his death? I guess that's over. But who else? No, has been, that wasn't oh, what ended it. Oh, OK. That's part of the lawfare. So, okay. see, Robert David Steele was represented by this guy named Stephen Biss, and he's an important part of this lawfare thing because he also represents Devin Nunes, and he was representing uh, the Trump media. What is the thing that is involved with Truth Social? You know, he was an yeah. attorney who was adjacent to Trump and doing things for people who were around Trump. He's an attorney to General Flynn. Uh, members of his family oh. use this guy as their attorney, but he's a very crooked attorney. He's involved in things. I mean, I've seen evidence that caused me to believe that this guy is breaking the law. So it's interesting to see who he represents and what he represents them in. But when you just presumed, rightly so, that the lawsuit ended when Robert David Steele allegedly died, no. His wife came in and took it over, and guess oh. what? She also claims to work for the CIA, <laughs> but now she is representing this charity. You can't just do that. She, you know, she's never been appointed to the board of directors of the charity. And because he died with no existing board of directors, the entire corporate structure is defective because there's no board of directors to elect a new chairman of the board because he's dead and there's nobody. So she's just illegally seized control of this nonprofit to continue the lawsuit against me. And then the lawyer had a stroke. <laughs> so, so then she was ordered to get a new attorney, but apparently she couldn't do that because somebody broke into Stephen Biss's law firm office and stole his laptop. However, when I called the police in Charlotte's Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia, and told them everything that was going on, they went into some system that allows them to search based on addresses and police reports. They said no break-in was reported at that address. 
from the time of this guy having his stroke up until that day that I was calling them. So there's all this very screwy stuff going around, and that's just one lawsuit, Don. I've been involved in something on the order of two dozen since well, who, who, give, give, us, give us an example of a few others that might be you know most interesting. I mean, who so concurrent with that Robert David Steele lawsuit, you're familiar with a guy named George Webb? Have you heard of that person? I've heard his name, yeah. So he has a brother who purports to be a retired U.S. Air Force uh, radio and IT specialist, and he has brought something like two dozen legal actions against me. He's got three or four going against me right now. One that just got kicked out of Indiana. He had one in Michigan. He's got one in uh, New York. He's threatening another one in uh, Florida. He's brought one in. Uh, well, what is he suing? South He's suing Carolina. you for disinformation too. What is he suing you? Well, for? he just will make up anything. He'll he'll attempt to sue me for things I'm saying on this podcast. I mean, you know, he'll just sue <laughs> anybody and everybody. This guy's been bringing lawsuits against people since around 1994. And the thing that's weird is, so I told you not to mention, you know, we started talking about disinformation and there's certain people right. in the professional field of disinformation who, if I okay. mention, will be, I will be in contempt of court or okay. uh, well, certainly won't or mention something, sure. violation of a court order. But um, I, I just lost my train of thought there, Rob. What else am I getting sued for, you said? Uh, right. Yeah, it's, I mean, they, yeah. they just basically come up with any kind of cause of, I mean, here's the thing with lawfare. You could bring a lawsuit against anyone for any purpose at all, and right. it might take a year or two before you get to the point where the judge says, hey, wait a minute, all of this is nonsense, get it out of here. And in that time, you know, you're, you don't know if they're going to say that, so you're responding, doing your best, and that's just it. It's, it's, you know, if they decide, and they is whoever wants to engage in lawfare, if they decide that they have the money and the resources and the desire to tie up a particular target, whether it's Jason Goodman or Donald Trump or Don Jeffries or whoever, they can just start all kinds of litigation. And by the time you unwind it, two years, three years, seven years of your life, how many tens of thousands of dollars have been burned up? And so if you have enemies with lots of resources, lawfare can happen. And by the way, I'm not giving anybody legal advice. I'm just saying, in my experience, the most obvious thing that occurred to me, and I did experience this a little bit because they are always trying to get me to hire an attorney, but if I hire an attorney, all they do is load up that attorney with nonsense to increase the bill, harass the attorney, bar complaints against the attorney. You know, you hear all these stories, oh, Donald Trump's attorneys are resigning you don't know what's being done in those attorneys' personal lives to disrupt what's going on. I can sure. basically guarantee that if someone takes the job of being Donald Trump's attorney, a team of multiple people are going to be assigned. Figure out, what, oh, this guy's an alcoholic. Go to the yes. restaurants where he's having dinner. Start sending drinks to the table. Oh, he likes women. Go take him to the strip club. Tell, send letters to his wife. Have girls call the house. Just whatever. They will do whatever to disrupt the target's life, that is lawfare. That's what they're doing to Trump. Now, what's happening Absolutely. to Fannie Willis is lawfare exploding in her face. So when I say <laughs> counter lawfare, yeah. what I'm doing is things to counteract this that, that I'm able to do. That, that, that In my case, don't involve hiring an attorney. If I were a billionaire, I would just go 
hire a load of attorneys. But, you know, you see lawfare against billionaires, Donald Trump. You see lawfare against Elon Musk, and I'm not defending him. But it does seem like they want to do some things, you know, when he right. decides to do X, Y, or Z with Twitter, they are able to take away $50 million, billion right. dollar pay packages and get the FAA to say things about launching rockets. They seem to have leverage over whoever they need to have leverage over, right? Yeah. Is there's uh, You see the question on the screen from Chris Graves? He, he, he said you did some work on the Vegas shooting. Not being sued for that at all. Okay, okay. So yeah, the, the, the thing that I'm primarily being sued for by George Webb's brother are statements about him that he claims are defamatory or, you know, another thing that I like to do is I make parody images. People who have uh, seen my work know that I've worked in visual effects and I've worked in, right. uh, you know, visual effects photography and been using Photoshop for 40 years and stuff like that. So I make, I try to make really nice, cool, interesting thumbnails that involve you know, photorealistic uh, kind of political cartoons of various people and things. And so um, they've tried to sue me for that. Now, what's interesting, Don, is that one of these lawsuits, you know, I've been sued by the Emmys. Did you know that? Well, that's, I have a, a, somebody mentioned this here. His question uh, here, it says, Jason, is this you? Conspiracy theorists must face sanctions in Emmy copyright suit. That is an article about me. So the Emmys, those are the statues, the television awards that are given out yeah, yeah. by the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. Right. That's the Los Angeles one that does all the big TV shows. Right. And the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, that's in New York, and that's news and sports and soap operas and crap like that. And uh, then there's the International. You know, I don't know why they have all these different ones, but whatever. The National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, that's the one that sued me. And the CEO of that is a guy named Adam Sharp. Are you ready to have your mind blown by this, Don? Sure. So the, <laughs> the CEO of the Emmys is Adam Sharp. Okay. Prior to working for the Emmys, Adam Sharp worked for Twitter. And he was Twitter's first U.S. government liaison. He was a big wig, or not a big wig, but when he was young, after college, just like I was trying to get into the movie industry and doing all kinds of stuff with 3D cameras and 3D photography, this guy was in Washington, D.C., and he was working as the uh, deputy chief of staff for Senator Mary Landrew. This was around 2007. Moon, Moon Landrew's daughter, sure. Yeah, and he yes. created at... Barack Obama, the Twitter account. Barack Obama mm -hmm. has been on Twitter since 2007, less than a year after it was created. Mm -hmm. In 2022, he told us he's a Luddite. He needs his daughters to set up his phone. How was he on Twitter before Elon Musk? <laughs> I allege Adam Sharp put him on there, and I didn't just come up with that. I've been researching this for a long time mm -hmm. because it seemed really strange to me that the Emmys would sue me for making a parody. We did a show about covid and the television coverage of COVID and how various countries around the world, the outcomes that they got. And we were comparing Nigeria, for instance, Lagos, Nigeria, to New York, both a city and a state. It's a good comparison because the state of Lagos has 20 million people, uh, 21 million people. State of New York has 19. The city of Lagos, Nigeria, has 10 million people. The city of New York has nine. And at the time that we were doing this comparison, New York state had 44,000 dead from COVID. Don, can you guess how many people 
in Lagos, Nigeria were dead at that time. 44,000 in 40, New 40, York. Yeah, 44,000 there. I don't know. <laughs> Same amount. In the entire country of Nigeria, 210 million people, yeah. 2,500 2, dead. Oh, okay. So what we were doing is we were going through and comparing that type of WHO data. You know, we didn't come up with this data. We got it from the World Health Organization and just asking questions like, why is no doctor in New York looking at that huge disparity and saying, what is going yeah. on? Why aren't we sending a team of scientists to Nigeria, test the blood of people, test the water, test the food, what's going on? So we just did this show and it was called the Crony Awards. Nigeria won the award on that category. But the thumbnail featured the Emmys statue, which is like, you know, normally holding this sphere. And I replaced the Emmys sphere with the medical illustration of the COVID molecule. And in my view, as I read the U.S. Copyright Act, that is a First Amendment protected parody image sure. of the Emmy statuette and multiple attorneys who do not represent me, like people have written articles about this because it's so bizarre, have said this is an obvious parody. It's crazy. And and I'll tell you something else. I've I've been, I mean, I've been in business long enough now. I really was never involved in any kind of serious litigation prior to all this. I had one lawsuit with a prior company where I was the CEO and the company basically stole my equity to sell it to an investor, got the investment and then kicked me out. And so I wanted to sue them. But the problem was, as an independent guy, you know, law firms told me, okay, you're telling us these guys just got this huge investment and they've got this valuation of two and a half million dollars. But you know what? This lawsuit could take two years, three years. By the time we get done, they could have no money. Law firms don't want to represent people like me or sue people like me for that reason. The Emmys could go sue like the Grammys or Sony Pictures or something like that because they know they're not going anywhere. They know they have money and they know they're able to pay. With somebody so, like me, they, it's just weird that they would do it in the first place. So there's, so this, this is, I mean, this is kind of like what we see in terms of the world of comedy, especially, and how satire where certain topics, anything politically incorrect, is off base. So that's what they're doing. But I mean, to to bring a lawsuit, I mean, how? What do they? I mean, but I, well, I, well, we should know from Alex Jones and Trump that First Amendment is no longer a defense, I guess. But why is that the question? Why would they do it? Yeah. Well, it seems, and again, this is not a wild guess. This is based on a large amount of evidence from the public domain. But it seems that this guy, Adam Sharp, even though he no longer works for Twitter, he's very involved in covering up this whole entire operation that was the FBI being inserted into Twitter. The Twitter files, was, yeah. Well, right. It was revealed by the Twitter files, and it was very operational during the 2020 election in terms of covering up any information about Hunter Biden's laptop. This guy, Adam Sharp, left Twitter in 2016. He was working at the Emmys, but he still appears on CNN with Brian Stelter to convince the public that Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian. Why is he doing that? It's very strange. He should be talking about the Emmys, but he's not. And the other thing that's come out recently is that for the entire six years that this guy was the CEO of the Emmys, ESPN was engaged in one of the biggest frauds in the history of the Emmys ever. And he didn't even notice. They, yes. were, they yes. were using fake names to get Emmy awards for hosts that weren't otherwise qualified. 
So this guy's supposed to be the CEO. He didn't even notice that. He's busy suing me. Now, here's the interesting thing, Don. The show that we produced with this alleged infringement, that came out on June 12th, 2020. In discovery in the subsequent lawsuit, I learned that an email was sent, an allegedly anonymous email that I allege was sent by George Webb's maniacal brother, who's been pursuing me every day for the past seven years. He sent the email, but the court won't allow me to get to this. So June 12th, 2020, we do the show. July 28th, an email gets sent to the Emmy saying, ooh, somebody's infringing on your copyright with this disgusting COVID image, blah, blah, blah. Three weeks after that, a complaint goes to YouTube. Why did they wait? They hate this image so much, they're willing to spend almost a million dollars and three years suing me to get rid of it. Why didn't they call YouTube that day or the next day? Why wait three weeks? Yeah. Well, because what it did was it, it put a 90-day penalty on broadcasting on my channel. And if they did it on June 12th, July, August, September, that would be no good. If they did it on July 28th when the email was sent, August 28th, September 28th, October 28th, that would be no good. But when they waited until October 20th to complain, that shut off crowdsource the truth for two and a half months before the election and two weeks after the election. So the same guy who's all over CNN and CNBC telling everybody how Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian disinformation on the same exact day that Jack Dorsey is testifying in front of the Senate is shutting down crowdsource the truth knowing that they're going to need two weeks after the election to do something. It's very strange. Now, something else that's going to sound crazy, but this is factual. Adam Sharp's father is a guy named Roger Sharp, who himself was an Emmy Award-winning newsman. Don, can you guess where Roger Sharp was on November 22, 1963? In Dewey Plaza? <laughs> Better yet, he was inside the Dallas police station Wow. Reporting to the world that Lee Harvey Oswald has been arrested. Who, who is he with? Which, which uh, what was he? Local Dallas, Oklahoma. Or? Some oh, some local. television station oh, in Oklahoma. Oh. Not only wow. that, the Telstar satellite that enabled live video broadcasts, which Roger Sharp was doing, had only been launched in May of 1963. It's amazing yeah. Boy, that Dan he's Ryan got access yeah, yeah, to yeah. such yeah. cutting edge technology, almost like Twitter in 2007. Very cutting That's, edge. That is Very, amazing. That's quite a connection. Quite a coincidence, isn't it? Yeah. So the other thing that's crazy about this lawsuit is before the lawsuit began, I got on the phone with their attorneys and I said, look, you know, um, I, I disagree with your conclusion that this is a copyright infringement, but I get it that you don't like it. How about I just delete it and you withdraw your complaint from YouTube and we let bygones be bygones? And they said, no, you have to withdraw your YouTube appeal first. And I said, look, that's ridiculous and an obvious trick, because if I withdraw the YouTube appeal, all you have to do is not return my phone calls for 90 days and you get exactly what you want. <laughs> if, if you withdraw your complaint and I fail to delete the image, you could just complain again right away or sue me next week. They refuse to do that. Well, so they do all this waiting. But then when yeah. they know YouTube is going to restore my channel in 14 days, if they don't sue, then they brought a lawsuit. Don, it's obviously motivated back in August of 2020 
to prevent crowdsource the truth from broadcasting on YouTube during the election because they had an all-hands-on-deck moment where they were pulling out all the stops. It's not just about shutting down the New York Post. We want to take every 100,000 YouTube subscriber pro-Donald Trump channel and shut it down, and that's what they did, and it ruined yeah. my business. It destroyed my livelihood. I've been in lawsuits ever since. It destroyed my YouTube channel. It destroyed my income. Well, that's why people and I, I told them at the time, you know, when they uh, when they when they fired one of the shots heard around the cyber world, when they took Alex Jones down, people, a lot of people don't. And like, I've got it, it, Alex Jones is irrelevant, just like Donald Trump is irrelevant in terms of what what he, what he is or whatever. But what he, he represents, represents right? And, and what he represents, Alex Jones was the biggest name, like him or not, in the conspiracy world, the alt media. When they took him down, they went for the biggest name, right. and so many people celebrated. Even in my world, I can guarantee if the channel, the, the, the all out show, just terrible. I don't. It, it, that's irrelevant. Look what it led to. People like you, right? S SGT report, which had almost a million subscribers. They used to go on there all the time. Tons of people like that. Dustin Nemo's. A lot of these people had their their uh, YouTube. They just made a, a cut a swath through it and got rid of them all. And. It was because they set the precedent. That's why I tell people, you know, if you're cheering on Alex Jones's show trials or Donald Trump's show trials, Not they're good. setting they're setting a precedent. Absolutely. They, well, I mean, let me tell you something else that's going to knock you out. I can't believe I forgot this detail. So Adam Sharp is suing me on the basis of what I allege is an email sent by George Webb's brother. And the judge in the case is uh, a U.S. District Court judge in the Southern District of New York by the name of Valerie Caproni. Now, what's interesting about Judge Caproni is in 2010, when Adam Sharp was Twitter's first ever U.S. government liaison, Judge Caproni was the FBI general counsel. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, it's yeah, and, and, and prior to working at Twitter, Adam Sharp was the executive producer of C-SPAN 3. Judge Caproni, as the FBI general counsel, appeared on a broadcast on c-span three wow. that adam sharp was the executive producer of so now she's the judge in a case where he's the plaintiff they didn't tell me that i found that out after i lost the case through all the crooked dealings that and, and, and what you're what you're describing is that we're seeing these incestuous relationships in all right. these high profile in, in trump's case i mean the, the judge uh, erdogan or whatever he was just uh caught undercover in a, a gym uh, talking about we got to get rid of all the mag what when he wasn't harassing young women and O'Keefe <laughs> talking about citizen journalists. I mean, that was beautiful. But, and then you have in the Fannie Willis case, you have the judge, uh, ridiculous, uh, young, uh, guy that is, uh, it was discovered he contributed to her campaign and his wife well, contributed twice. I don't even think that's the worst aspect. I mean, the Fannie Willis case is a good example of the type of outrageous misconduct that is happening. I mean, the judge making a contribution to a particular district attorney's campaign is not so scandalous because you've got to admit the judge cannot expect that the district attorney is going to appear in court right. as a defendant in front that's of her. True. The part of that case that's so scandalous is this lady is supposed to be the district attorney, and she's like, you know, paying people who are having sex yes. with her, hiring those people <laughs> to, I mean, the concept, taking campaign money and admitting it on the stand. And it's like, ah. <laughs> you're not, would you know what you're acknowledging? I mean, right, right. Uh, so the concept of impartiality is so out the window. I mean, I'm telling your audience here the plaintiff. And the judge had a hidden 
15 year long relationship. Yeah. yeah By the way, when Adam Sharp was the Twitter US government liaison, he doesn't he he boasts about this. He created the White House Twitter town hall. He's friends with Barack Obama. There's pictures of him in a skiff with Barack Obama. So when I say, hey, wait a minute, this guy's a little bit kind of like, I don't know, CIA, FBI adjacent. Uh, it's a statement of fact. It's not it's not an actionable, you know, defamatory statement. Yeah, well, I mean, just pointing out really, and that's what I said. I mean, look, I'm I'm just I'm just hosting this. I don't know, but I, I can just say, you know, from from any standpoint, whether it's you, Trump, Alex Jones, any trial, Roger Stone when he had his trial, there 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 are reasons why it looks like I mean, you go back to OJ case with Judge Ito. Remember, we found out after the fact that Ito's wife was uh, uh what's it, Mark Furman's arch enemy. They've been in battle that. for years. Yeah, and, and it's like <laughs> And he was, was like, what, how do you not? I mean, that's never disclosed. And it's like, so when you have these, it used to be, even as bad as the legal system's always been, a judge would recuse themselves. It was that obvious, but it looks like they don't care now. It doesn't matter what the relationship. No, I'm not going to recuse myself. And that's, that's wrong. I think that, you know, look, when history is written, if we all live, I mean, we haven't even gotten to the subject of how dangerous New York City has become. Oh, but Donald Trump, whatever happens moving forward, you know, Donald Trump, in my view, has exposed the corruption within the press and the corruption within the judicial system. Yeah, well, I agree with you. And I, I, I'm, you know, I'm no fan. I get accused. I'm a Trump agnostic. We're the smallest minority group in the world. But you know, there's, there's not many of us. But uh, I get accused on both sides. But, yeah, regardless of what you think of him. I think he inadvertently just because, I mean, just look at the, I mean, every one of these trials, I don't know what they are. I suspect he may be part of it, but it doesn't matter either way. Every one of those trials, the, the, the one where he, I, I, I've been a realtor since a license since 1985. Everybody exaggerates oh, their value. Everybody does. But in this case, he was accused of, he was ordered to pay 400 and some million dollars to who? Because the, the people he that he, they weren't suing him. The people said, no, the, the, he paid back the loan. We're fine. We're testified for him. How do you, there's no aggrieved party. How do you possibly? The part of it that's so crazy to me, Don, is that the, the number of regular people that we know that think that this is okay. And I'll give you an example. Yes, yes. Like, I have, um, so, so in my previous career, I worked on movies, right? So let's say I have a prop from the movie Amazing Spider-Man. Okay, I have a mug from the set of the Oscorp building. Mm -hmm. And I think, ooh, this is, this is a priceless item. I'm gonna put it on eBay for $1,000. And I put it there and nobody cares. People say, eh, I'll give you 50 bucks for it. <laughs> or reverse, I put it there for $50 and it sells for 1,000, you know? The value is perceived by the right. buyer. That's right. So for them to be like, oh, 20 years ago, you did this transaction and we don't approve of yeah. the value. It's like, what the hell are you even talking exactly. about? Exactly. The market determines and, and every every homeowner thinks his house is worth right. it. I mean, I've, I've never met one that didn't think, well, right. you know, what, you know, I got this, I got that. It's like, it's, it's imaginary. Right. There's no set value like a, a, a retail store that says this is what we're selling it for. Likewise, if you had... So a fr I just saw a friend of mine who I haven't seen in a long, long time. His father used to have a 1967 small block Corvette, same color as Joe Biden's. And I, I remember that his father sold it. And we were just talking about how the value of those Corvettes has gone up so much. 
And it just happened to mention it's the same one that Joe Biden has. And here's the thing. A hundred years from now, again, if we all live, my buddy's father, who was an unknown dentist, perhaps that Corvette will still be around. But the Corvette owned by Joe Biden will always be more valuable because it's the same thing, but yet it's right. not. It's got the historic significance. So what is value even? The very fact that this building was right. developed by Donald Trump could make it more or less valuable right. to a particular buyer. The whole premise of it is ridiculous. And again, yeah. that's where the lawfare comes in. It's that you said to me, what are they suing you for? Yeah. It almost doesn't even matter. What I've described no. to you is we've got this guy, Adam Sharp, We've got this judge, Valerie Caproni, and we've got George's brother. And they are able to manipulate the circumstance such that George's brother sends an email. See, I am alleging that George's brother knew that Adam Sharp was a part of this disinformation network because George's brother is part of it, too. And I have found evidence to support these beliefs. Things like Adam Sharp appearing on the news when they need to convince people the laptop is disinformation. And things like the NIH saying that they've got a contract support employee with the same exact name as George Webb Swigert's brother. You know, I'm not saying I've proven this stuff in court, but this is extremely substantial evidence that is likely to prove the things that I'm saying. And there's a network of people who are able to surround a subject and make things happen in a way that it appears to the public like, oh, no, this is a normal procedure. And this guy's just, you know, getting sued for something that nobody's ever been sued before. And things are happening in court that nobody's ever seen before. And attorneys with 30 and 40 years of experience are flabbergasted every night. Jonathan Turley and whoever else <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. is commenting on this. They're like, wow, you know, it's like, this is not normal stuff. No, and it's, 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 this lawfare thing is is very, it's fright. It should be frightening to everybody. Yes. But the idea, and again, Trump exemplifies because of his personality and so many people hate him. So many people love him. So many people hate him. They don't care what is done to him. And I said, it doesn't matter. They're setting a precedent. Look, look at the E. Jean Carroll case. You or I, anybody, they could find a woman decades 30 ago. 30 years ago, right? Yeah, 30 years ago. And and oh, I don't remember the year it happened. Yeah. But you raped me there. It's like, how can you defend yourself against that? You don't even have to that? remember meeting the person. No. Anyone it, can just come out of anywhere and say anything. I mean, it's like, how can you yes. do that with no evidence whatsoever? Exactly. Like, and the, and the, the women's groups will come out and say, I believe. I, what, that's emotion. That's ident and that's what's ruining the courts. It's got nothing to do. You have to have law. You have to have that. And in his case, between that and the vote fraud case, again, people, it's not illegal to contest an election or didn't used to be. You're, you're hitting on exactly what I'm saying. Like, see, if that woman came up and said, hey, listen, I have this surveillance video and I've been trying to get this allegation into court for 30 years. And because he's so rich and powerful, I couldn't. But now because he's president and if you had a video of, oh, wow, that's clearly Donald Trump walking in there. They don't have any evidence whatsoever. They had yeah. no evidence of him at a hotel in Moscow. We didn't have any testimony <laughs> from a bellboy, nothing yeah. from Svetlana, the prostitute, no registry in the hotel. They have no evidence. They just make things up, start a process in court. So let's let's look at this. You were talking about the, uh, the Engeron case. So yeah. they've now basically turned negotiating in New York on its head and said, because you think your work and your property is valuable, that's now actionable. Then they've said, we're going to put a uh, 
such an outrageous fine on there that even the bond that you need to get it and you're not only you're not allowed to do business with banks in New York. So right away, you're saying you need to get five hundred million dollars, but you can't do business with banks in New York. That's like saying you need to run a marathon, but you have to hold your breath. They're, they're <laughs> making it impossible and then presenting it to the public as if this this is a normal legal procedure. Yes. Yes. And, that, and that's exactly what you know. And, and I, I can uh I, I don't really see it in the camp, but I'm sure there are people in my audience. Again, I, I'm not a Trump fan. I'm a Trump agnostic, but it doesn't take his personality out of this. Every one of these cases against him, and, and plus the status as former president of the United States, uh, that, I mean, he shouldn't be exempt from the laws. But again, what are we looking at here? What was the crime and the financial, the, the fraud? You have to have a, a, a person that was defrauded. Who was defrauded? Right. The bank said they weren't. So in the case of the woman, E. Jean Carroll, She's so, beyond. You can't even think of a word that's uncredible or whatever. I mean, she's she's been filmed writhing around on the floor and screaming, and her paints her trees blue, and <laughs> named named her cat vagina and her dog tits, and and <laughs> joked joked about Donald Trump on social media. Women, would you have sex with Donald Trump for twenty thousand dollars? Years after he supposedly raped her, and before she brought a lawsuit against him. This any courtroom? Yeah, and that's ridiculous. About, you should laugh her out of court. But instead... But you're right. People should be worried if they can do this to a billionaire with all yeah. this notoriety, what could they do to me? Well, I'm here to tell people about the part that they could do to you. And it's not because I was doing something pro-Trump. I mean, maybe peripherally what I was doing would have been pro-Trump, but I didn't... I wasn't like holding a Trump sign going somewhere. It wasn't like January 6th. I mean, this all started just because I was trying to do an independent news and opinion show on YouTube. And they didn't like my opinions and they didn't like the news that I was turning up. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, that's the whole point is this, this is all about censorship and it goes to the Twitter files, all that's connected because they are trying to, they're still trying to start the set. The fact that, you know, my, I'm a, you know, I, I'm glad my YouTube channel is still there and I, we get the biggest audience for the live stream over YouTube. So I'm glad it's there, but I know that we have to, and Tony, if you're listening, please take this down immediately after we're over, because otherwise I'll get another strike or my cancel, uh, my channel might be canceled or whatever. And it's just, yeah, it's it, it for what? Because yeah. then I, my, my book, Mashing the Truth, that somebody mentioned on there and I, that I mentioned you in, that book is the, you would not believe the games that Barnes and Noble just took it off their website completely, disappeared it, no explanation. They won't answer us. Amazon now has disappeared the Kindle version. No explanation. Amazon has refused. So many people have told me, hey, I, I posted, I wrote a review on Amazon. They never posted it. They won't post reviews. Apple Books had it listed for $999. So they're just, they're playing so many games. And this is why uh, I've had 10 books published. And all they're all controversial, but none of them have been played around with like this. The libraries Amazing. put up stone walls and uh, it's and the alt media. I can't get the alt media interested in it. You know, there's some, you know, but the bigger platforms. This should have been the book they were waiting for, yeah. and they just ignore it too. So it's it's very frustrating. Hmm. And you know, you've mentioned the Twitter files a few times. I wrote an article called the Twitter Coup, and I hope that people will check that out. I, it's free for everybody to read. I have it on crowdsourcethetruth.substack.com. And you know, you're right. Everybody is 
getting canceled off of YouTube. Certainly I am. I have been having a lot of luck with Odyssey. I, I hope people will follow Crowdsource the Truth on odyssey.com slash at Crowdsource the Truth because I also get canceled on YouTube. And when I build the channel up, they just cancel the next one. Yeah. Yeah, because I know you at one time you had a uh, when I first uh, knew of you, you had a big channel and, and you had a lot of 20,000. Yeah, a lot of 20,000 subscribers and you all those videos about the empty hospitals. And, and that's how that's how again you can put the I was it 2018 or whatever it was they got rid of Alex Jones. You can pretty much look at that as demarcation point. Before that, you had great videos on YouTube with about Sandy Hook, Boston bombing, the empty hospitals later, all that's where people were questioning everything. Right. And now and they, they don't allow any of it. No, none of it. And it's just, you know, just imagine some of the Crazy. things that have that would have been done about Hunter Biden's laptop and stuff like that, but you, it's not allowed. And it's, uh, it's very frustrating and it's, uh, but that's why I have great respect for, you know, people like you that is how you're having to contend with this stuff in court. And I, I didn't realize that it's very frightening to all of us because you can get people that just want to basically be a nuisance or a thorn in your side just to keep that. That sounds like this, what's happening to you here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I have, uh, preserved a lot of the deleted videos on that Odyssey channel I was talking about, odyssey.com slash at crowdsource the truth. But you're right, what you just said, Don. I mean, it's just, that's just it. It's, you know, even if I were to succeed, let's say, in getting George's brother enjoined from ever suing me again, can't they just hire some other moron to bring a million lawsuits against me? And mm -hmm. maybe they'll do that. I don't know. I'm not sure what the end game to all of this is, but. What can I do, right? I got to fight the lawsuits. I can't. Yeah, well, and that's and what's what's frightening is what what they're doing. Look what they did. I mean, again, Elon Musk, and I get in trouble with my audience because they think everybody's and and look, I'm skeptical. Okay, I I'm know suing Elon Musk. That's yeah, another lawsuit that I'm in because what happened was when I wrote that Twitter coup. So I discovered all of this about Adam Sharp and Valerie Caproni inserting the FBI into Twitter. So when Musk bought it, I was like, okay, great. He came to New York and I said, well, let me go over there and I'm going to tell him. And I went to Twitter on my live stream and I got attacked outside Twitter by people who I think work for Twitter. And remember, Musk didn't know at that time that the FBI was controlling Twitter. So now I have a lawsuit, Jason Goodman versus the NYPD, the city of New York, a bunch of people who strangled me, Twitter, Elon Musk and Adam Sharp. And we'll see what's going to happen. I mean, you know, that lawsuit is ongoing but yeah, well, it's, it, and, and then, but this is just, it's terrifying the process because once they've, you, we can call it lawfare, but I mean, basically it's the, it's the, the insertion of emotion into the courts. It's identity politics. And when you, if you, if you don't like somebody or you don't like what they think, it's weaponized. That's, you, yeah. yeah, it's weaponized. You can't, you know, and when when you have a judge telling Alex Jones, he directly said you can't use the First Amendment as a defense. That is his defense. It's the First Amendment. So, and it's the how you swear allegiance to the Constitution. That's the problem. Is these people they don't lie. believe in the Bill of Rights, and we don't have a country if you if you don't have the Bill of Rights and people. And there's the problem is, and again, I think Trump has been used in this way because of people hating his personality so much. They're applauding this. I, I have people that tell me, oh, it's good. I, you know, they want him hanged in the public square. Terrible, terrible. It's like, you know, you know a, a friend of mine who's a lawyer said to me that the most dangerous thing that's been done with all the corruption is the corruption in the courts. 
because there's going to come, according to this person, a tipping point where if a substantial enough number of people believe that they can't resolve their differences civilly and peacefully in the courts and that there's no hope for justice, he said that's when people will resort to violence. So it really is a dangerous moment. And, you know, my concern is that... Um, my concern is that we're going to have essentially um, a Biden-Obama brand Democrat versus Donald Trump, whether it's Michelle Obama or some propped up stick of Joe Biden or whatever, Gavin Newsom. But I think it's, you know, and either way, I think if Trump wins, we're going to have a Hamas, Antifa, BLM uprising that will make january 6th look like a picnic oh, yeah yes yes and i just and it I won't just, be insurrection yeah <laughs> no. yeah oh yeah and that's they've created a climate where no matter what happens and again I, at right. this point i don't know why anybody would trust the the electoral process that they're counting these votes honestly but whatever happens there are going to be millions of people that are angry at the result no matter what yeah. And they're, and they're not going to I don't know what the Trump people would do, because you saw what happened with January 6th. And you still have political prisoners in there for three years now that are not all due process. And you have draconian sentences of, you know, 22 years to Enrico Terrio, who the Hispanic leader of the white supremacist Proud Boys, who wasn't even in D.C. It's Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So so that's you know, we're we're it's. It's setting a horrible precedent, and I, I don't know what's going to happen in, in, in the election, but there's nothing that could happen that won't cause mass demonstrations. It's I think impossible. That's right. I think that's right. It's, you know, because neither, neither side, and, and rightly so, there's no reason to trust. I mean, after the last time, and, and again, Trump is being, not only Trump, Rudy Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani was uh, fined $150 million or something by two campaign workers. Like, what? What you, I mean, well, and wasn't that also in Fulton County, Georgia? Like, what is going on there in Fulton yes, County, yes, Georgia? Yes, the same the same county where Stacey Abrams is still whining about being robbed of the government. Right. How so is, I'm saying there's these pockets of this judicial yeah. corruption where they seem to really control the courts, and I've been having uh, a, a front row seat to that for the past seven years. And you know, people who are attorneys who are not involved in exposing and publicly discussing the types of things that I get involved in, they they can't believe when I tell them the things that I tell them. You know, there have been a lot of conversations I've had with a lot of different attorneys who I'll tell them something and they say like, well, you know, that, that can't be what happened. You must be misunderstanding what the judge said. Send me the order or whatever. And I <laughs> yeah. send it to them and they're like, wait a minute, send me the motion that this was an order on. It's like, how did this happen? It's like, this is what I'm trying to tell you, you know? So they're flabbergasted like that because this is not the way that any of this is supposed to work. No, and it, this is not, you know, people, everyone should be, but the problem is I, I you know, uh, Jason, I'm a civil libertarian and there's almost none of us left. You know, I, my hero was Mark Lane. That's who I worked as a teenage volunteer for in Citizens wow. Committee of Inquiry. Yeah, he was, he was the guy I, you know, I patterned my own politics. I was, I was, a member of the ACLU as a young guy back then, you know, I, I, I love the idea of standing up for people, even though you really don't agree with them at all. Who that's what Trace killed JFK. Uh, not Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it was, I, mean, I think Oliver Stone pretty much got it pretty accurate. 
in JFK. Mark, Mark Lane really was big first on revealing the train guys who saw the smoke from behind the fence. He, I think, was pretty yeah, he, somebody he, shot from behind the grassy knoll. Well, he he went to Dallas and he, you know, he filmed Rush to Judgment, which was he, he had the best-selling book, Rush to Judgment. He was and he was really only maybe two or three people in all the Kennedy assassination books that made money on it. Because his well, was a, he was also really like the first kind of like citizen journalist YouTuber type. He just made that thing with sixteen millimeter camera going around interviewing yes, people. Yeah, and it was it was it was suppressed for years. It wasn't until VHS was because it didn't do anything in the theater. Paul McCartney, by the way, was wanted to write the soundtrack for it. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For because yeah, when I met Mark Lane at his office uh, as a teenager, and I had stars in my eyes, he was first of all he was talking about Freddie Prinze. Freddie Prinz actually called from Hollywood while I was there, and this was wasn't what, he a lawyer though? Mark Lane, yes, he was. But but Freddie Prinz was obsessed with the JFK assassination. Wow, he was calling Mark Lane every day. And if I hadn't have been there, I would when Freddie Prinz supposedly killed himself the next month, I would have never known there's any connection to that. So. I just list him. What, as what, what, do you, what do you mean, Freddie Prince killing himself is connected to JFK stuff? Well, he he was he was obsessed with the JFK assassination. A month later, he's dead. That was a, that was it happened about a month after I was in the office hearing about this from Mark Lane, and of course the, they had one of those lurid uh, last days of Freddie Prince TV movies on that just portrayed him as much as they would do with John Belushi, who was also obsessed drugs, with the JFK assassination. Said, really? Yeah, drugs, and they don't mention the fact that. These guys are obsessed with this particular topic, and they should have mentioned it because I know for a fact, according to him, that he was just sitting there watching the Zapruder film over and over again and wanted to do a telethon out there. Wow. And again, I would have never known that if I hadn't been there. But and, and Mark Lane also told me about McCartney at that time, and I learned later that McCartney, the Beatles, Lennon too, but McCartney was really interested in running a. Uh, I don't know why he didn't use the the soundtrack for that film because it doesn't have any music, but. It's just kind of a stark, as you said, like 16 millimeter thing. But Lane was um, he was my hero. And uh, he, uh, you know, he uh, he was a civil libertarian. The guy was a civil libertarian. And that's what I and there aren't there's none, almost none left. I mean, me with whatever platform I have. But there is nobody. And, and otherwise you would have the ACLU and people like that. They would be holding demonstrations outside the, the D.C. prison for what's going on there. Yeah. <laughs> this is. And they don't. They don't. No. Care. Now they want those guys in there. Yeah, they support it. Unbelievable. Yeah, they they said the ACLU has said they're not really concerned very much with civil liberties anymore. Which is, they should change their name then. Did they say that? Yes, they did a few years back, and I, I <laughs> they said you know we're more concerned with again typical climate change and racism. Wow. So they're the Democratic Party now. So that's that's you know the way it is, but. Uh, that's really something. Well, again, we've gone. I mean, I I want to. I don't want to keep you longer than we have, but I just want to get. I'll give you a chance. This is this has gone too fast, but uh, give give a, give out all your links and anything that we missed. Uh, mention, but go ahead and I'll let you. Uh, you know, yeah. Say what best, you want to say. Best place to go. People can see uh, all the videos on odyssey.com slash at crowdsource the truth. It's free to subscribe. People can also become members on Odyssey and access. Sponsor exclusive content. They can also go to uh, crowdsourcethetruth.substack.com or crowdsourcethetruth.org. And thanks, Don, for having me on again. Thank you, brother. You're doing great work, Jason. I I, I try to you know do with what, whatever platform I have, but this this show does get picked up now, and they they run the reruns on Bandot Video, which oh, is great. our own site. So you you'll get a lot, a lot of people see this. So I appreciate Excellent. you saying keep in contact and keep doing the. 
good work and I wish you luck with all your uh, unnecessary lawsuits. <laughs> Thank you very much. Take care, man. Thanks. See you Take later. Care. Okay, bye. Okay, we had I see. Stephanie, are you there? Stephanie's oh there she is. Hi Stephanie, how you doing? How are you? Good. Can you hear me? Okay, and I'm gonna let me get Jack Mullen on here. Okay, so we have Stephanie Sledge and Jack. Good to see you guys. I appreciate you coming on. Um, so we're going to switch. This is uh, Stephanie. And I don't know, you, Jack, you're going to tell me about yourself, but I know Stephanie's work. She's been on the show a couple of times. And I, uh, I had Jason Goodman on, who's a citizen journalist. Stephanie really fits that. to And I, I don't think there's a dime's worth of difference between uh, the work that Stephanie has done and, say, Whitney Webb, who's been a guest on the show a long time. And I don't think you get anywhere near the credit you should. So uh, once we talk about your work, what you're working on now, and nobody, nobody did better stuff than you did on Gabby Giffords or Sandy Hook. You did some really great stuff there. And, uh, so I appreciate you coming on and, uh, introduce Jack, Jack Mullen, introduce Jack Mullen, Stephanie. <laughs> well, hi Jack. How are you? Hi Stephanie. Your hair looks really nice tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. It's all shiny. Um, now Don, is there a way to get rid of the chat that's Oh sure, if that if that's distracting you, okay. Yeah, I always throw I always throw the. You know, some people like to see them. I always throw the comments up, especially if they're questions. But that's okay if you don't want them. That's fine. Uh, okay. All right. Well, Jack Mullen is my partner, and he's also a citizen journalist. And he has a great archive of uh, articles that he's written about everything in the world on thegovernmentrag.com. You can find his personal. Uh, bio there and all of his stored uh, articles that he's written since he's been with me anyway. And also he's an engineer and a software engineer and has worked with some of the greatest people and still does. And why don't you add more to that, Jack? <laughs> I see you've updated your uh, sheet there. <laughs> anyway, thank you for that, <laughs> that generous introduction, Stephanie. Um, somebody that I've known for quite some time now. And uh, yeah, I'm a, <clears throat> I go along with my name. I'm a jack of all trades, maybe master of none, but um, I've done a lot of writing and researching and thinking and uh, putting two and two together and always coming up with four. And um, I'm an electrical engineer by uh, education, but I got very interested in software back in the 1970s while I was doing my master's in WE. And um, that led me to another career. And um, so anyway, I do a lot of stuff. I, I, I build websites and I, um, I do backend stuff. I write lots of Python. I'm an AI kind of guy right now and uh, producing uh, some pretty amazing web website specific stuff that does uh, transcribing and uh, auto creation of, of web pages, including turning existing pages into MP3s and stuff like that. It does it all automatically. So anyway, I'm busy and um, I'm, thank you for inviting me to the show, Don. I appreciate it. <clears throat> well, I, I, I have great respect for Stephanie. So if you're associated with her, you got to be pretty good too. So, uh, but, but Stephanie, I, I, you know, I was so taken by, and we talked about this before, but you were, and that's why I like to have people like you on that are really doing journalism. And I'm kind of a half-assed journalist. I, mean, I do research for my books, but I, I don't do what you do. I don't go to locations and, and like you did with Arizona and, and the Gabby Giffords thing. And go to the doors, you know, and you had the guys, and, and I, I think you lost one of those people there that died very strangely. So it's this is dangerous stuff. 
And uh, you, you know, you were really the only person I know that was investigating it. And you've got a great, you can tell people where to read the uh, online thing you have there about the, the, the Jared Lee Loftner uh, thing. You can find out all you need to know there. And you did a lot of work on uh, Sandy Hook too, that you've got a book out about that. But so does Jack in, in get involved in these? Or have you done any more on in, on-site investigations? Are you still doing that where you're traveling around? Does Jack go with you? <laughs> I actually haven't done any live investigations for a while. And that's just because of my life and the fact that I have to work, you know, full time. And, sure. and also too, you know, I, what I've been doing mostly is just research right now. Um, I'm trying to put together a, a another book, and I think my uh, my next book is is probably going to be you know hitting a lot of <clears throat> government people and also a lot of businesses uh, hard because of the fact that I'm going to be bringing a, about the truth about fentanyl and how it entered our country and what it's done, what its goal is, what the mission was, who is involved. Um, the different types of uh, businesses, um, you know, businesses that we we trust and we give our money to and how they all need to go down now, now that we know that, you know, they, they were involved in the, the massive genocide that's happened with fentanyl. And, you know, I, I'm also interested in the fact that you have a new book out and right. And I would like yep. to get a copy of that. Oh, which you're talking about the JFK book? Yes. Or you're talking about, yeah, I, I can send you that. Give me your address. Yeah, because I, I have extra copies of that. Masking the Truth is the one I'm still trying to push because I think that's my most important book. But I don't have any extra copies of that. And it's it really needs help out there because, you know, Amazon, Amazon has just got rid of the Kindle version. Barnes & Noble disappeared the book completely. Uh, it's, it's, it's being shadow banned. Like you wouldn't believe they make it hard to find yeah. anywhere. They're, they're scary. I mean, this, I have 10 books out and, uh, they're all controversial, but this one is being treated completely differently. But yeah, the JFK book, I can get you. That's, that's, that is newer. And and I have one coming out with in a, in a couple months, the American memory hole, that's going to be basically yeah, hidden. Yeah, hidden well. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That will, that we'll do that. And, um, but, um, yeah, so it's uh, we're we're all you know reporting on aspects of the same thing. I mean, this is what journalists should be doing. They should be focusing on corruption. They should, I mean, there's so much out there. It's not like you have to you know <laughs> you don't have to scratch very much to to uncover it. So uh, so so this so fentanyl is what you're. That's what because I know you did a uh, you were at the Fetzer False Flags conference like I was, and I, I uh, was watching some of that today. Where you were explaining that because you were you were uh, I didn't get to see it all, but it was you were talking about I guess Trump's role in the PPP loans or what is that what you were talking about? Right, the public-private partnerships that he entered into um, to for his Operation Warp Speed agenda, yeah. mm -hmm. and you know it's very horrifying. And you know the more I really research Trump, the more I um, you know, really disgusted by the fact that so many Americans are, you know, they're just so blind to, you know, wanting to put him up as a hero and yes. that he's just going to come in and save the country. And, but the rest of us are seeing, you know, what's really going on and what we've seen for years and how we can put it all together. And, you know, from every false flag, every step of the way, all the way up to Trump, 
all the way up to what happened during COVID, you know, and then to the election fraud, all the, everything that's happened with the Biden administration. And, you know, I, I think people are really getting sick and tired of, you know, living in a, a world where a country that we're seeing fall down and, you know, all of these people that are involved in all of this, and you talk about the Tucson shooting, and, you know, I took some time last week, and I wanted to investigate, uh, go find out what was happening with Gabrielle Giffords and Mark Kelly and all of these people, yeah. just because I hadn't looked into it for a while. And, you know, they're missing. They're gone. They've disappeared, you know, and they were the major stars in the Sandy Hook shooting, as well as the Tucson shooting. And, but, you know, these are the, an example, you know, and even we go on to Facebook now and, or I'm sorry, YouTube now. And, you know, we're seeing advertisements from Sandy Hook parents, yeah. you know, and, you know, you're just like, you just are just, it makes me so angry because, you know, these, this is just a giant scam. And, um, you know, so I, you know, just, I can talk till I'm blue in the face, but are we ever going to wake up everybody? No, we're not, but we well, need to at least try to get a majority of people to understand that, you know, we have to stop being afraid and we need to stand up against all these criminals and yeah. we need to take them all down. Well, you see, in, in, in the book I'm writing now, I'll have about I'll have a lot about the false flags, and I'm using some of your stuff in terms, for, especially for the Gifford shooting. But the the Sandy Hook thing is just you know they've demonized that, and with the Alex Jones trial, a lot of us are, are scared now. To even mentioned, I every time I talk about it, I mention, look, I'm not making any representations that I know what happened or didn't happen. But you know, there's nothing wrong with asking questions, and there's a lot of questions to ask there, and. The fact that he couldn't use the First Amendment as a defense in court when that was his defense is the First right. Amendment terrify all of us because they could come after any of us. They could come after you for doing the same thing. And like people like me that have been involved in the JFK assassination for a long time, theoretically, the Kennedy family could come after us and say, you're harassing us, you know, with these stupid conspiracy theories. And 9-11 families could really Oh my God! You know you're 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 harassing us. You know this is this is harassment to be saying that it was an inside job and all this stuff. It sets a terrible precedent, and too many people in our world, the alt media, they're cheering it on. They hate Trump's personality. They hate Alex Jones's personality. So they pick these figures, you know, on purpose, and they set the precedent. Unfortunately for uh, for all of us, so we have to be. But, but uh, Jack, what are you what are you working on right now? Uh <clears throat> <laughs> I'm working on so many things. I don't know which uh, genre you're talking about, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm following along with um, everything that you're talking about now. And then some, I get a chance to uh, co-host a webinar with uh, <clears throat> James Fetzer every week. Oh, and, yes. Yeah. Uh, he has a, a site, a uh, membership site called all things reconsidered.tv. And uh, so I get a chance to talk a lot about Sandy hook and, and other things related to, um, you know, the demise of our legal system in the country and the way in which he was treated by the Supreme Court, denied his right to uh, trial by jury as given by the Seventh Amendment, um, then taking that case to the Supreme Court and uh, having it thrown out. Again, he's in another appeal process right now, but <clears throat> I just watched a documentary that was produced in 2014 uh, that was about Sandy Hook. 
and I hadn't seen it before. So when I saw it, I thought it was new. <clears throat> but regardless, they did a really nice job of. Uh, of what was it? Is that the one? Can, can we talk about Sandy Hook or something? What, what, which yes, one was is, it? Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, that, that's probably the, yeah, that was a good overview. Yeah, it was uh, it was amazing because, you know, I, we've seen all these things before, but to, to see the collection of videos that we may have lost track of. I know Stephanie hasn't because I was uh, with her when she was uh, busily storing every video she could get her hands on when we first heard about this. Yeah, well, Chris Graves, I think, is in the chat room. He sent me a lot of those. They, they're archived. You have to you have to <laughs> search to find them. But, yeah, there they were a lot of good ones. Yes. And so anyway, it was just very interesting to watch how ridiculous it actually was. I mean, beyond over the top ridiculous. And uh, and yet it, it's it's, you know, even people that I've that I've known that are normies will watch that video and say, yeah, but they're just blah, 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 whatever, the, whatever it is they need to come back to the, the idea that we're still talking about kids being murdered. And uh, it's just unbelievable to me that we live in a world where these things get get presented to the public and they are so i mean like the 9 11 was so uh physics wise ridiculous that you know, it's absolutely insane and and you know to be told that uh, there was no uh visible evidence of an airplane in uh, the pentagon at the beginning for example where the um, wings go yeah, yeah exactly. in, in, in that hole you know and the grass is still perfectly preserved and and uh, so you know so it seems to me that americans can't be um convinced that they, they're living in some form of a trance and yeah. this is media controlled and, and uh, induced and it may be medical as well. And, um, you know, I don't, I've, I've become more of a cynic now. I don't think you can, uh, you can fix a lot of this unless of oh, course, we, if, if, if we decide we want to gather uh, together as a group and, and take some States that are sympathetic and, uh, and create a new Stephanie. We lost Stephanie. She probably, oh, I hope she comes. I don't back. know what she did, but she may have needed to do something with the camera yeah. off. Before when, when I've had her, we always had some troubles with our connections. It's doing better today, but well, what 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 is the update on uh, Fetzer? Fetzer and I go back uh, <laughs> over twenty years because we he used to be on the JFK. Oh, let me bring Stephanie back in. Oh, I know that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And he he talks right, about. Oh, does he? It's good. Yeah, because uh, Jim Fetzer and I, I mean, I, I used to defend him because he was always getting thrown off on the JFK forums. I mean, constantly. <laughs> and, uh, and and I again, I he, he has a bombastic personality that in a way is tiny bit reminds you of Trump a little bit because he will be he's very demonstrative and he'll, you know, say I, this is this is this or this is that he makes declarative statements. But you know, he, I, they, again, whatever reason he rubbed people the wrong way there. So I, I, you know, I got along fine with him, but, uh, and we still do, but what, what is his, what is his status? And she said he took it to the Supreme court because he was not only Alex Jones, it was Fetzer and Wolfgang Halbig, who I don't know, I guess he's, I can't get a hold of him anymore. He's a man I show once, but, uh, what are the status of those, uh, you know, what uh, the status of Fetzer's lawsuit and what the status of Wolfgang's is? Well, uh, so, I mean, all of Fetzer's lawsuits are done now. I mean, he's back at uh, producing another attempt to uh, uh, get redress over the uh, fact that he wasn't able to get a uh, trial by jury in uh, Wisconsin and and all of the various things that they did illegally in Wisconsin. Uh, he recently had a heart um, uh, bypass surgery, and uh, and it went really well for him. I mean, he's, he's looking really good, and uh, he's up walking a mile a day. I mean, he didn't. He wasn't suffering terribly, but he was told that he had, I think, three out of four of his valves uh, completely clogged, and uh, yeah. and uh, they fixed that. But you know, and Halbick, uh, that's somebody that keeps in touch, at least loosely, with Stephanie, 
Um, I know he's still kicking, but I don't know specifically what he's doing. Yeah. Jim and him had a uh, interview not too long ago. I would say about a year ago, maybe eight months ago. Uh, so there, he's he's still out there. But anyway, we have a we have a lively little conversation every week about various things. But JFK comes up almost, you know, every That's time. Same comes up every time. Sure, sure. No, he he did he did assassination science, and uh, he he was the biggest proponent of the the Zapruder film being altered. We had, we had so many great debates back then uh, on mm -hmm. those things. But a lot of these guys are gone now. The late great Jack White, and who <clears throat> was like doesn't get enough credit for being the first one to notice all the anomalies in photos of Oswald and how he, he really helped uh, John Armstrong develop the, uh, the Harvey and Lee theory. Yeah. Make sure you tell Jim Fetzer. I said, hi. And I, I participated in the last couple uh, false flag conference, zoom conferences as has Stephanie, I think. So, uh, well, it sounds like you're, you know, that's your, you know, that's some very interesting stuff. Stephanie, what, uh, I'm trying to think of what there's, there's so many, you know, there's so many, when you look at the things that are happening, and I, I looked at, you had done some work on the, uh, the Maui, the, the Hawaii situation, which uh, that's kind of right up your alley. And I had uh, a couple people on here with somebody from there that was talking about it. And that, that's kind of, you know, these things come rat-a-tat-tat-tat. That's kind of gone down the memory hole. Yeah. The police stopped people from going out and uh, were blue targets not hit and all this kind of stuff that was very interesting at the time. But, it's it's the next story. Then then you have the uh, the rabbis coming out of the tunnels in New York and sealing up the tunnels with the high chairs. And then, where's that now? That's gone. And then you had Governor Abbott. Well, you know we're ready to throw down the gauntlet and be Confederates. And that so I mean it's amazing. You can't keep up with these stories and they get dropped. So what on the Hawaii thing? What what happened there? Did they do anything? I mean, did, was the was the coroner really the police chief at the same time? Was he connected to Las Vegas? There was a lot of questions there. <laughs> There is a lot of questions and I think that, you know, they all need to be studied more. And um, as far as Maui, you know, I mean, the Americans need to be concerned that, you know, all of our money right now is being spent foolishly and, you know, on ridiculous wars and illegal immigration yeah. and, and all of this, but yet Maui still is suffering. And, you know, I watched a video the other day of a, a lady that lives in Maui and they still can't get help. You know, I mean, yeah. their their island burnt down and they still can't get help from the government. And these people are suffering. They have no money. They're going home. They're homeless. Um, you know, they're it's it's really a tragedy. And, you know, so I did a, a video also, uh, an actual my presentation on on Maui last year on Jim Fetzer's uh, false flag conspiracies and it's still up. You can find it on his website there. And anyway, it's, it's really a tragedy, you know, what's happening right now, you know, that we're living in this country that is completely falling apart. And um, one of the things that was really inspiring for me is today I, I uh, had a notification that came up on my TikTok, and it was from a, a gentleman that I, subscribe to um and his his name is uh sorry i hope i i meant to pull yeah, up his name. his name is anthony okay his name is anthony hudson and okay. he's running in congress uh in michigan and anyway he is filing a class action lawsuit it's the video that he put out just went extremely viral all over 
TikTok, all over Facebook, um, Twitter, X. And, you know, like people are really sick and tired of our money being foolishly spent. And anyway, he is an amazing thing. I'll, I'll put the link in the, the chat. But, yeah. you know, I think people need to, you know, wake up and stop being afraid. And he's calling for people to stop paying their taxes. That what we're now doing is aiding and abetting and criminal activity. And we're guilty of this. And well, I, I think I think that's a good idea. But I, what I tell people when they do that, that the problem is because most people are employees and their taxes are withheld. How, how do you how do you do that? With I mean, I, that's that's I think it's hard to make a much of a statement because uh, you know, that was a temporary World War Two measure, supposedly by Roosevelt. And uh, they're still doing it. And so how, how would you if they're if they're withholding them automatically, how do you get around that? I don't think you can. Can you? You can. Yeah. Okay. So Jack, you got the, the answer on that one. How to how to do that? I mean, I'm I'm not in the workplace anymore. I'm I'm a lowly paid writer now. But I mean, I, I'd like people would like to know. I'm sure. Um, well, if anyone uh, takes my advice from this, be sure to recommend my name when you do it. However, uh, <laughs> I'm associated with um, Freedom Law School and uh, Paymon, <clears throat> and I can't. I'm not going to try to say his last name. Uh, uh something like that. Anyway, Paymon's a good guy. I met him twice in person. Uh, I've spoken to him un, un, many times. Um, but I think we all did this. We came up reading um, all the various uh, so-called patriot material of the time saying there was no legal reason to pay the taxes. And I actually did a deep dive in it really hard between, say, 2010 and 15. And uh, I mean, I literally have, I could stack books from the floor to the you know, my desktop and some of them were that thick. And uh, it, uh, Paul Mitchell was one who wrote a book uh, called uh, uh, Which One Are You? <clears throat> and uh, anyway, he was describing the situation where you're not a citizen of the uh, fictitious uh, United States, uh, but rather you're a, a citizen of your state and you can call your nation the United States. Uh, but regardless, you're still a citizen of the state. So anyway, these people wrote a lot of things about this and Paymon put that all together. And um, and he has a, more than a convincing uh, argument. He has a way to walk you through all the legal documents necessary to be convinced that you do not have to pay federal income tax. And if your state uh, derives its uh, a, a primary value at the top of their uh, tax form from the federal 1099, or I'm sorry, the, the, the I can't even remember their letter, the numbers of the thing now, just a basic tax form. If you uh, if you derive that value from there, then you don't have to pay state tax as well. Now, if you're if you're uh, in a situation where you're being you're employed by somebody who wants to take um, taxes from your paycheck, uh, he has the entire procedure whereby you can notify them that, uh, unfortunately, that's not a law. That is something that people have done since you mentioned um for a long time, uh, but uh, that, that there's actually no physical law requiring them to do so. And uh, he teaches you how to speak to your employee, et cetera, and, uh, and then have them send you all the money. The same as you're doing if you just decide to be a 1099 employee. <clears throat> and anyway, that's, that's, that's the basics of it. But the thing is that there is really no law and uh, no one should at this time be paying the federal government any income tax. I mean, we're, we're supporting everything that's antithetical, everything that's yeah. anti-life, anti-American, anti-legacy, anti-Tom Jefferson. Um, it's, uh, we live in a world now that 
supporting these people was basically supporting your own suicide. And, you know, it's kind of the same way when you decide you're going to believe that the medical industry has a, a vested interest in your health and you yes. find out they have no interest in your health. They only make money from the symptoms of your poor health. And so as a result of that, uh, people keep paying saying, well, but my doctor, he knows something. No, he's a, he's a, he's a liar. And if he's not a liar, he's just a dumb, but I don't know whether we're on. No, uh, you can say what you want. I mean, you're, you're, you're we're, on the, we're on the same wavelength, brother. I, my, my latest Substack I just wrote yesterday is called a, a population on uh, life support. And it's all about, it's all about how sick America is and how, how bad the medical industrial complex is. I mean, I, I worked in, in for them in IT, but I mean, I was I was employed by them for many years, and I saw the sausage being made, and it's uh, it's ugly. <laughs> it's really <laughs> ugly, and you it's like you, you don't when you work at a restaurant and you see the so lettuce being dropped on the floor and put back on the salad bar, and <clears throat> steaks being dropped, and that kind of stuff. You're not going to eat there. <clears throat> it's the same kind of thing if you watch and you see what goes on in hospitals and stuff. You're, you know, <laughs> you don't want their kind of care, believe me. But uh, right. well, it, it was interesting. You you guys are doing a bunch of stuff then, obviously, and you're doing uh, lots of good work. So is that is it is it the uh, the government rag where you're still writing for mostly, Stephanie? I Your can't hear off. you. <laughs> Your mic's off. You must be on mute. There we go. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, you can find my bio and my articles on thegovernmentrag.com. And we also have um, blog.thegovernmentrag.com where our other writer, uh, George Freud from Canada, has been writing for us for well over a decade. George Floyd? That's quite a name in, in, in this day and age. Run. <laughs> it actually starts with an F. <laughs> okay. Freud. Yep. Oh, okay. And, okay. And, Anyway, I don't know if you ever listened to Joyce Riley back in the Power Hour oh, days. Oh, I, uh, I, I was on there with her a couple of times. Boy, she that's so she was such such a sweet lady. <clears throat> yeah, and George was also one of uh, her co-hosts, and he okay. began writing for us um, well over a decade ago. And he's got some great articles that he puts up. He's got amazing intel that he puts out every single day on blog.thegovernmentrag.com. And also gives us an insight on, you know, what's happening on with Canada views, you know, as well as, you know, his, but he is an amazing writer and he is an amazing researcher and investigative journalist. And um, so check him out. His articles are there at the blog.thegovernmentrag.com. But our articles are on thegovernmentrag.com, which that site has been up since 2009. And we've got some amazing articles and amazing writers there as well. And, and um, so I encourage you to go check it out and also, you know, subscribe to our email list and all of that. And I do want to make a, a uh, go back to, uh, um, we were talking about Jim earlier, you know, with what the government was still doing to him and Wolfgang Halbig. And anyway, I do hear from him on a regular basis and he wow. sends me all of his information. And I can tell you that, you know, he continues on a, a weekly basis for sure to demand, you know, from the government, his freedom of information requests. Yeah. And he's continued to be harassed by the FBI 
Um, not long ago, they came to his house and drug him out in his underwear. I heard, I heard, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, this poor man, you know, definitely. And hasn't he, didn't, didn't he lose his family too? Did his family kind of abandon him too over this, which happens so often in these cases? Yeah, I mean, he's gone through a lot and he's got a lot of truth at the same time. Yeah. And anyway, it's very sad, but it's it really is encouraging that he continues to to put up the fight and you know whenever he does publish things um i do put them on the government rag um you know so that people know what's going on with them but yeah he he's still fighting the fight and well, he's he, not going to give up if you talk to him next time drop my name and say did i do something to offend him because he stopped answering me so i want to make i did have his ex-lawyer on my show once uh a K something case, but, uh, but so I, but I don't know. She wasn't, <clears throat> she didn't really say anything bad about him. So I hope he doesn't resent that. But I, I admire the guy. I think he's uh, a profile in courage. And, and again, the things he wants, this, this is not harassment. I mean, he, he's trying to, cause he was a school safety expert and he, this is what he did. Right. And, and he, he wants the, I mean, it, it sounds gross, but, but they have uh, I guess a, a contracting team to come in and clean up all the blood and everything. And he's one of the things he was asking for. He wanted to know who the company was, and their records, and they won't tell him. And again, he's I, asking questions. I yeah, he's asking questions. I mean, I don't. I, he's under. He's asking why porta potties were set up there. And and Joyce, I mean Joyce, uh, Kay told me when she was on the show. One of the things that she did uh, accomplish while she was his attorney, they did discover that that sign, the the, the sign at the firehouse, the sign in here sign, did come from Homeland Security. She said. So, you know, I think that's significant. I don't know yeah. why, why would that, you know, but these are just questions. And it's like you, you're asking questions. <clears throat> well, you, another issue you have with Jim, if you're trying to get in touch with him, by the way, just to jump over there for your, the comments you made is that he does uh, five uh, days a week, at least one, but often two, uh, two hour radio shows a day. And um, Oh no, on. Jim, Jim, I don't have trouble getting in touch with. I'm talking about Wolfgang. I haven't heard from him a long oh, time. Okay. I was yeah, yeah. You were saying that. Yeah. <clears throat> no, no. I know Jim's amazing for his age, especially, you know, I didn't realize he had open heart surgery too. So he's, he's got a lot of energy. And it's uh, it's and again, it's, it's why we, what I find, and I know you guys probably run into this too. The, the kind of uh, the squabbles and the feuds and the people, because we all, as an alternative media, we all need to come together and respect each other enough to promote each other, at least not bad mouth each other, and try to realize if we're going to ever be an alternative, a real alternative to this horrible state-controlled media that we have, that we have to come together. And so like when Tucker Carlson or somebody, or when he, when he does something good, I support it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he is a CIA agent. I don't know, but he is saying stuff, you know, and he's had lots of people I know on his show and I was hoping I could get on there. You know, we, we, we talked to his producers. So that's the kind of things or when, when people uh, and in terms of uh, Alex Jones or any of them. So I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I, 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 you know, I have my suspicions about certain people. I'm not going to mention them, but we're all doing you guys, you guys, what you're doing is you're doing you're doing good work and, and you're going to sites, especially and doing them firsthand. I mean, that's incredible. And I want to talk just to, so people know, um, Stephanie, just to, kind of briefly talk about how you went to Arizona because you went, you know, again, I've never done that, uh, you know, to go to these sites and talk to the people in person. And it's scary because especially what you're doing, when you're coming from a perspective where they kind of know, OK, 
you know, what you're getting at, you know, you're asking questions, you're, you're, you're wondering if something is, is legitimate here, what's going on. And, and you said one of the guys had died very uh, strangely. So that that's scary stuff, but talk a little bit about that. How you just, cause I, I think I find that's fascinating and you have a, you have a, a big, uh, I guess it's an online book up on it that people can access. Maybe tell them where they can get that as well about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a, a book uh, that I printed online for everybody. It's <laughs> called uh, jaredleelofner.com. And um, in fact, I, I am working on the side of actually putting together my book and revising it so I can put it out print again but not all the information is up there yet it's something that i do in my spare time and also something that um my i'm really grateful my son matt he i send him all the stuff right now and he's re-editing everything that i have and so once we get that up i'll put that back in print as a revised version with more information but you can go to jaredleelofner.com and he was the alleged shooter um, that went and murdered everybody that day at the Safeway parking lot. And, but the story never, uh, you know, added up. And, um, so at the time, Joyce Riley, uh, from the power hour, she asked me to, um, look into it. She wanted me to look into it and she actually helped invest into my investigation and, so what I did was, uh, but unfortunately, I was also set up at the same time. I um, was introduced by a, I believe, a CIA agent. His name was Ed Cherini. And anyway, I I had been uh, linked with him to go out to Tucson to investigate it undercover. And so, but unfortunately, you know, they all knew that I was coming prior to that. So it wasn't really undercover. And I also had two investigators there that were citizen journalists. One was Lee Bracker, who is the man that was found dead in the alley with a, with a a comic book with Gabrielle Giffords um, in his back pocket. And then, and also Sheldon Day, who is also a, a citizen journalist in Tucson. And I'm still in touch with him. He's a great person. And anyway, I had gone out there and yeah, I was, I'll, I mean, I was nervous. I was scared. This was like one of the biggest events. We we had a judge. Because well, you're going died. out there. You, you have, I mean, you're a mother of how many? You had, you had a family and everything and you went out. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a mother of five. Yeah. Wow. That's, 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 you, you really were risking something. Okay. Right. And anyway, I, I, uh, but I did it because, you know, I wanted to know what was going on. And at that time I didn't trust the Obama administration and I was already awakened to the fact that our country was already infiltrated by, you know, uh, you know, people that, including all the way up to our presidency where, you know, they want us to go down. And so, you know, I was linked in my life with some of the greatest people. And anyway, Joyce Riley was one of those people, but she did ask me to go. And so I did, but I was, um, like I said, I, it didn't take me very long though. It only took me, I was, you know, out there, the government set me up with Ed Cherini as supposedly a citizen investigation journalist who 
like the other two that I was with, but it only took me about, you know, a half a day to figure out that he was definitely, you know, uh, working for the government. And that's so, not the guy that was, da that's not Dallas Goldbug, is it? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. okay. I thought Absolutely. that name sounds right. Yes. That's the guy that yeah. he, he, for those of you who know that he, he, uh, is sometimes is interesting, but he would try to say everybody that was was the same was somebody else. Like this, this guy, yeah. That, tell us exactly because he it was pretty it was an interesting theory, but he was he was pretty out there. Right, and I was the princess of Sweden, so they put a target on my head. Oh. And so, anyway, um, Dallas Goldberg, yeah, he he at the time had infiltrated alternative media, yes, and he had put out all of these. Um, photoshopped photos of people, you know, with other people, including Jim Fetzer. They had Jim, he had Jim Fetzer as uh, supposedly another person as well, which I can't remember who that was, but I do have the data somewhere. And anyway, I, but anyway, at the time we didn't know that. And so he had infiltrated alternative media, including Alex Jones, which I was on his show and Joyce Riley's show and many other shows. And so I, you know, was foolishly trusted him because I at the time believed his research. And mm -hmm. so I agreed to go out there and meet, you know, with him as well. And, but, you know, it was only about, you know, not even eight hours before I realized I was being set up by the government. I was being um, followed by the FBI. I had police that were um, threatening me. I had to actually go on the run and, you know, towards the end of it. But while I was there, you know, while I was there, I managed to do things and managed to investigate things that got yes, me answered, including, you know, I, I went to the coroner's office, demanded autopsy reports of all of the dead. I also, um, you know, visited Jerry Lofner's house, which I was threatened and harassed there by police followed. Um, and anyway, it, I could go on and on about everything that happened there, well, but yeah, well, and, and you, you're, you're, but you're, what you're describing, you try to get autopsy reports and all that kind of stuff, going to the coroner's office and uh, you ended up going to the, the, the home of uh, Christina Green's father and, and getting right. a tape, which you kindly sent me the audio tape of them saying, uh, well, no, we didn't actually bury our daughter, but we're planning to, I mean, it's, what? I mean, this, a, a real media would, would at least find that strange to say the least, but you, you're doing what you're doing is what journalists should do. But if you saw that Super Bowl shooting recently, and I, I just watched, somebody sent me a tape of it and just watching how the, these reporters, there's not, there's literally, they don't, they're, they're looking around, they're puzzled. They have no common sense of trying to figure out anything for themselves. The entire thing is, Oh, let's wait and see what the authorities say. What are the police saying? What are they going to mean? But you're, what you're doing is what <clears throat> journalists should do. And that is you're going and finding out yourself, you know, what do, what do these records say? And that's what Wolfgang was trying to do. I remember when he was up in, uh, uh, up in Newtown and he tried to, he, the, the uh, there's a great film of, I guess, even the fire department and the cops blocking him trying to get into the United Way office. He just wanted to find, it's like, what, what? I mean, so, and why were, why were you being followed? If you, if you're just a crazy conspiracy kook, and these things are just nuts and you're, you know, why, why are they bothering? What, why is anybody following you? Why do you, you know, what do you, what, what, just like, why is anybody withholding anything on JFK or anything? If there's, there's national security involved, why are you doing it? So it's pretty obvious, isn't it? Pretty obvious. 
That is, I but think, I, I go ahead. Go ahead, Jack. Go ahead, Jack. Go ahead. I think all of every single incident of what you're talking about applies to everything that we know about. Um, you know, if you're going to make it a, a, a capital offense or not yet, but soon to be to speak negatively about Israel or Judaism or right. anything that uh, uh, anyone who happens to be part of those groups does, mm -hmm. um, then you have to be suspect to being somebody that's trying to hide something. I mean, we see uh, laws now, you know, that prevent people from uh, acknowledging or uh, talking about the vaccine, for example, in France, yeah. that's, that's the latest thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so these these are the same sort of things. If if they're adamantly and, and, and aggressively attempting to prevent you in broad daylight from investigating, talking about, looking at, uh, asking for, I mean, the things they did in uh, Connecticut were so illegal and so pre-planned. I mean, they already had the laws on the books where you can't look at a death certificate. Uh, you can't get coroner's reports for, for, for children involved with accidents and so forth. This is all nonsense. And it interferes with, with normal and what we would call ancient history of how people deal with and learn things about what's happening and how they clean up corruption. And uh, right. they, they got right in the center of that. And uh, so that's obvious. And that's another thing that I said earlier. People can't think and won't think. And maybe they're too afraid to think. I don't know. Um, I, I wanted to make a quick comment about the Trump stuff. You know, Trump is a yeah. is a Judas goat and uh, there's no and no one can see it. And it's it is plain as day. I mean, he has one master. He's not America first. He's Israel first. Um, he serves that interest. David Knight just did a video um, about Jacob Rothschild finally jumping off something and ending his life. And, uh, yeah. you know, he makes the connection between Rothschild and Trump's uh getting be bailed out of jail, which he was, which was basically Jewish money through the whole time. Uh, four times, uh, bankers uh, got him out of the a mess he was in. Well, who do you think he owes his allegiance to? And so these are the sort of things that you can just go back and watch what Trump said and what he did and how he, he placed the issues and concerns of Israel above the, the rest of the United States and above the idea of liberty and, and free speech, especially, and, uh, and gun rights. And so, you know, anyone to think that Trump's going to come here and solve the problem when he's part of the club, when one of the first things he said at uh, um, his uh, uh, <coughs> inauguration was, you know, welcome Hillary Clinton. Thanks. And I'm glad you guys came by. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so, you know, it's right in your face. That's the world we live in. Well, yeah. <clears throat> and oh, yeah, he had his victory celebration the other day, I guess, that rally after the uh, primary win or whatever, right. <clears throat> Standing right there next to him and speaking is Lindsey Graham, who is, who stands against anything, any of Trump's good rhetoric ever. And, and the crowd booed him, yeah. but it just, it, it doesn't, you know, Trump is, a, I, I call it the Trumpenstein project. I think he's an actor. I think he was inserted mm -hmm. into politics to divide the country. And that's why I'm a Trump agnostic because I realized that it, whatever he is inadvertently, he has our first guest, Jason Goodman, but inadvertently he has exposed the corruption for all to see. He's exposed how bad the media is. Right. Because, you know, because they're because everybody knows fake news now. So, yep. you know, expression. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's same thing with the electoral process. He's exposed how fraudulent it is. It's just yep. that, you know, what's what do you guys think about the election coming up? Because I, I think no matter it doesn't even matter who wins. I don't think they're counting the votes, but whatever happens, millions of millions of people either way are not going to accept it. Nobody. There's no reason to trust the system this way. What, what are your thoughts on that? Are we going to see like a like in the summer 2020 on steroids where the country is going to burn? 
I think it's going to be very special. And I think all those things you just mentioned, I'll let Stephanie jump in and get her opinion. Everything you just mentioned there about what Trump's done for us, exposing the corruption, exposing the fake news, uh, the election process, all necessary to put him in the position that he's in now, which is to be a candidate that cannot be defeated and he cannot lose. Um, it'll be overwhelming. I, I expect that uh, the left may make a comment here or there, uh, but they won't have their own numbers. I, the, the defection rate in their own group uh, to some other candidate is very high at this point because they don't have even a, a representative that can speak. And so, and, you know, it's, and, and to, to adopt all of these insane ideas, uh, mentally ill ideas that have to do with, um, you know, there are more than two sexes. And by the way, you can probably go to jail for that in the very near future. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. These, these are all, you know, anti-American, very uh, dangerous to civilization, and they are the result of mentally ill thinking and were considered that, say, 15, 20 years ago and before. So I'm going to let Stephanie finish, but I think that those are necessary because Trump's position right now is to come in here and do a hard right and, uh, and, and the right will go way past uh, the center. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking of it as a Christian Reich. And, uh, and I, you know, because he's basically in this uh, Christian uh, Judaism game where they're, uh, they, they consider each other allies and uh, somehow they've morphed uh, their savior as our savior. And, um, and Christian Zionism is now going to be the oh, lead right. player in something similar to, a, a, the, you know, the great Catholic uh, 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 Inquisition. Yeah. Well, what, what, about, what about RFK Jr.? RFK Jr. claims he's still polling in the 20s percent. So, I mean, that, uh, if these things are legitimate at all, that's uh, I don't know what impact. I have to imagine he'd take more votes from Trump, though. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was going to take a lot of Democrat votes myself. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe Trump will do something really amazing and pull him in as his uh, running mate. Um, but, uh, <laughs> well, well, maybe the first good thing Trump did that a lot of us could cheer because I, I tell people all the time Trump never does the right thing. He'll he'll <laughs> he'll you know he'll pick Nikki Haley or the, you know Lindsey yeah. Graham or something. That's just what he does. He always does Gabbard. that. Yeah, Tulsi, well, Tulsi Gabbard would actually be refreshing because at least it'd be from the other party. I, I don't, I just don't see. I, I don't. Somehow he, he'll pick somebody that I don't think everybody will scratch their heads and they'll say right. he's playing four thousand degree chess again. I, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, QAnon stuff and blah blah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Stephanie. Go ahead, tell us. Go ahead, Stephanie. Go ahead. <laughs> well. You know, I question also the elections as well this year, whether they're going to be, you know, in the same situation as last time where, I mean, we have all these illegal immigrants in the country. Yeah. Every state is completely becoming infested with them. And also, too, you know, you know, I always go back to the sheriff. You know, I I really think that it's the sheriff's responsibility to make sure you know, that our elections are fair and it makes sure that, you know, that they're, <clears throat> they're lawful and, you know, make sure that the people that are voting are citizens of their counties and making sure that, you know, that the election is secure and not infiltrated in any way. And so, you know, I question whether our election this year will be fair still because, yeah we have such a system that's so corrupt and you know as as far as uh i think you know everything needs to be hand counted the, the ballots need to go back to the way that sure. they used to be and 
So, but I'm on board with what, what Jack is saying as well about Trump. And, you know, like one of the things that bothers me about Trump is the fact that, you know, in 2019, you know, and you can find this article on christiansfortruth.com, but it's titled Donald Trump wants to bring back the death penalty for anti-Semitics. And, and oh, you know, geez, who's goodness. an anti-Semitic? It's yeah, anybody that wants to talk negative about Israel yeah, and, exactly. and, or Jews. And so, you know, right there is a, a, a great alarm, you know, of who is going to be. But they all are. We have no choice. That. I mean, I, I like, I like everything RFK Jr. says, except for his ridiculous capitulation to Israel. I know he's like somebody has a gun to his head, but, and they're all, they're all, I mean, there, there's a Vivek Ramaswamy was the closest. It was kind of common sense about it, but then he caught a lot of heck too. So it's, I, we don't seem to have a choice there, but a, after what happened in, 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 not only in 2020, but the 2022 midterms, uh, not only has no have no reforms been made, they've opened the door for more of this fraud, and they're prosecuting Trump. They prosecuted uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani, and they're they're prosecuting people for saying there was fraud. So I, I you know, I, I don't know how anybody could trust this process at this point. We can't. <laughs> I wrote, yeah, we can't. In 2019, I wrote an article called "Religious Fanaticism Threatens the World," and. Uh, it was called introduction because I planned part two right now before Trump comes out. But I think that, um, I think that that will get him around all the concerns that you have, um, you know, going into this about whether or not uh, we can trust any of this system. I, I, I trust that he's going to win, but um, I don't trust anything that's going to come out of this uh, good for us in America. And uh, I think is, you know, we were just being marched into this uh, script that's basically out of revelations. And these guys are playing their parts. And Trump had to Trump had to get out of the picture, even though his I mean, he lost the election. Uh, he didn't. I mean, it was a, clearly a win for Trump in the last election. Uh, over 100 million votes, according to Fetzer, uh, went to Trump, 30 some to um, Biden. And, and yet, you know, you can see that it's plain as day, but he needed to be moved out of the way. So all of this could be unfolded the way it has been. And, uh, and now the, the right and the uh, average American and the middle class person is so upset with the, what has happened to their country that I, they're beside themselves. And so regardless, if, if Trump said he was going to come in and start chopping off their heads, um, and, and he likely may, um, he's, they're not going to not vote for him. And so, as, and to your, your thought, who else do we have? We don't have anyone else. They don't give us any other. We get a selection process. We get some degenerates, some bootlickers, um, you know, and people that are paid off. And that's all we're ever going to get unless we have some sort of inside grassroots change. Um, it can't be done. It can't be done in this system the way it is. Something has to be broken. Yeah, you're right. And it's and they've uh, they've criminalized, especially from our point of view with the J6 treatment. Uh, they, they, they got a lot of people scared to do anything yep. because uh, Stephanie, there's a question in the chat room, uh, whether you're familiar or, or what do you know about Sophia Smallstrom's work? Yeah, I do have uh, some knowledge of her work. And I, um, you know, I haven't been there for a while or seen any updates on it. But um, I think that from my memory anyway, that her, her work was on track and she yeah. does a lot of uh, good stuff as far as investigating. Yeah, uh, she had a good thing on Sandy Hook. Right? Yeah. yeah, back in the day. Yeah, but, she, um, she does. She was in his book. 
Yeah, no, so, she was in Jim's <laughs> book. Uh, oh, she, yeah, yeah. So yeah, was, she was one of the snipers. <laughs> well, Jim, Jim she was also a part of the, um, the, the conference that he had as, as well. So glad to speak. Oh, to was, she, was she part of that? I didn't, I didn't know. I, I remember my friend Sarah Westall was on there and some other, but I, I didn't, uh, I didn't notice her name. Yeah. But, uh, well, there's, and that's what I say. There's so many people in this. There's so many of us out here that are doing different things, but we're all doing something. And, uh, and it's just, it really is like the, the, you know, back it used to be when you had a national meeting and a bunch of different newspapers and radio stations and before they consolidated them in the 1990s so that only a handful of uh, huge corporations own everything. But we have to try to come together and try to support each other. And I, I just, I don't like this. I can tell by, by my book, The Mask and the Truth, when I'm trying to get people interested in it. I just, you know, you can't get people on board and there's jealousy. Some of them are working their own stuff. I mean, what do you find there are people? I mean, I, I try to, you know, I promote you and lots of other people. If I, you know, think you're doing good stuff is the, the, the people that are getting attention already. I don't promote them as much because I think they're already getting too much attention maybe, but the people that, that need it, I think, and <clears throat> deserve it. And, uh, but how do you, how do you, do you treat, I, I treat everybody at face value. I know, and Jim Fetzer is a perfect example. Tons of people think he's a disinfo agent and he thinks a bunch of people are disinfo agents. So I, I so it's that, that happens in this thing, but how, how do you guys approach it? I just assume everybody is legitimate until proven otherwise. I do too. And, you know, like I'm a, I'm so hungry for info that, you know, I, <clears throat> I depend on all of the people that I find that have any information, you know, to constantly go back for. And I, yeah. you know, picking their brains of more info, info. And, but, you know, I have seen that there is a, you know, there, there's a divide, but there's a purpose divide. I mean, it, it was also meant to be. And so we also have, uh, you know, the, the platforms that we use that will, you know, not only divide us, but also censor us. And so, you know, and then you have people that are placed, you know, in our chats and, you know, in our comments and everything like that to, yes. oh, yeah. um, to put us, you know, down. And, and that was one of the things that I experienced with, uh, you know, exposing what happened with the death of Judge John Roll and why he was actually murdered. Yeah. You know, and uh, they went as far as to, you know, put out an article on the New York Times to make sure that they, you know, smeared for those of evidence. For those of you know, Judge Roll, you, you believe, and lots of people believe, that he was the real target in the Gabby Giffords uh, incident. He, he was, and I believe that the nine-year-old girl, one of the things that was interesting about the nine-year-old girl was the fact that her name was Christina Taylor Green is how they um, promoted her, but I found a book called Faces of Hope, which had been published by a woman, and I can't remember her name right offhand, but anyway, she, she had put out a little, a little tiny book about this big, and it had a picture of every, one picture of every, of a baby of every single state on 9-11, so it was like a, a, a book of babies that were on 9-11, that were born on 9-11-01. And, and uh, I found her in there, but her name wasn't Christina Taylor Green. It was, it was Christina Taylor. And anyway, so I found that interesting, but she was brought there that day by a social worker and 
after investigating yes. the social worker, you know, I believe that she was actually sold into um, human trafficking ring. And, but judge John Roll was, I believe he was murdered. He was working on some massive cases involving the EPA and the FBI and many others. So, and his family has never, his, one of his family members did contact me and told me I did a good job on the article that I published that's on. Oh, really? Oh, that's nice. But nobody has ever disputed it. And, but judge John Roll, he has some negative things, but overall he was a positive constitutional judge. And, you know, I don't believe that he was murdered at the scene that day. I believe that he was murdered elsewhere. So anyway, I have that all that there if you want to go there, but yeah, Jared, I mean, the Jared Lee Loeffner event, you know, I wrote to Jared Lee Loeffner in prison and asked him to talk to me, mm -hmm. but I never got a reply, but I still in the rest of my life will always be asking questions about Jared sure. Lee Loeffner. Well, and for those of us, and, a, a lot of people, I know for, for me, uh, that was the case that first sent me down that particular rabbit hole. Because that was before Sandy Hook, and uh, that one really got me thinking. Is I that was when I first started the videos on YouTube because YouTube was completely uncensored then, and they had all these things. Where's the blood? And you know the his the the big uh, overweight Hispanic hero and things he said he did and he didn't. And why were the security cameras not working? And why were there's no cell? Phone? I mean, already by that time, what was that 2010, 2011, or something like that? Or yeah, eleven, yeah, eleven, and uh, already cell phones were everywhere and people were taking pictures all the time. Why no cell phone footage? There was not once, you know, no, nobody took a picture when they went to meet their congressman or a selfie with them. Hey, me and the, nobody did that. We didn't see any of that. So I, that's what really first started getting my curiosity before Sandy Hook or Batman shoot or any of that stuff. Cause that was the first one, I think. Well, I'm glad because <laughs> it all, it all comes together and, you know, under that administration, probably prior to that too, because of the JFK and all of that. So, you right. know, I just think that we've been infiltrated for such a long time, but now, you know, Americans need to wake up and realize that we need to come together and we got to, you know, end the corruption and, and the system that we have. And, you know, that's yeah. where I'm at. I'm ready to help in that fight. Well, you're doing you're doing great work in it. So I, I want to uh, 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 Jack, uh, you go. Any closing thoughts? Anything you want to promote, and then we'll have, let Stephanie uh, uh, do the same thing. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate that. And uh, the things that I, you know, I'm just looking at um, this broad picture every week. Recently, I've been focusing on writing financial articles. I got pretty interested in the entire uh, idea of the, the, the how this somewhere around 1902, the United States. Uh, lost itself and was taken over entirely. And uh, over the course of that event, um, a lot of financial things happened and uh, they were controlled by um, the uh, the powers that be up until 19, uh, 
2013 and then the Federal Reserve came in, I find, you know, the Federal Reserve is one of the most criminal organizations in the history of the world and certainly was the death knell for the United States because they drove a stake into the heart of our financial system and then and sucked the blood out of it. And uh, so I, I spent a lot of time doing that. But I look at everything and I think, you know, we've just we got a crazy world right now. I, I don't know that we can change it, but we can certainly talk about it. I mean, I just saw today with New York State was uh, their attorney general, that big, heavy black woman was about to uh, uh, sue JBS uh, for the state of New York, saying that uh, they're violating their uh, promise to uh, cut down on carbon tax or on the carbon emissions. And uh, and then they're going to try to find them uh, so that they can pay back their profits they made since they made their uh, promise that they can't keep. Um, I mean, this 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 is just leading to another way in which we don't have any food in this country. Absolutely, and there's no so there's I, no question. But but yeah, I'm going to make sure because I we're, I, I'm we're, I'm going over. I want to give you a chance to give out any links you want, and then give Stephanie a chance. No, I'm done. And uh, thank you for having me on, Stephanie. Uh, close us out. Okay. <laughs> yes, Stephanie. Uh. Well, thank you, Don, also for having both of us on. And anyway, I could go on for days and days and days about my <laughs> thoughts about what's happening in this world. And anyway, I, you know, just in, encourage everybody to, you know, that's in here. And obviously people that are in this chat room are seeking the truth and want to know what's going on. So anyway, just uh, keep up, you know, don't give up. And, you know, you got to stand up and you got to not be afraid. And, you know, there may come a day where they come to the door and threaten to put you in jail. But, you know, we got to know what, you know, our rights are. We've got to know what the Constitution says. We need to speak it. And we also need to remember the history of what's happened in the past and what the future is looking like for us and our family. And I know for me, you know, like I... I don't know how long this world's going to be here. It doesn't feel like it's going to be here very much longer, but in the meantime, you know, I want to be a part of, you know, being remembered for someone that, you know, had to went out of my way to make sure that I tried to educate people on what was really happening. Uh, you, well, you're, you're, you have, you're, you're going to leave a nice legacy, Stephanie. You've done some great work and I appreciate both Jack. It was great meeting you. Jack and Jack uh, Mullen and Stephanie Sledge, thanks so much for doing the great work uh, you have. Thanks, everybody, for listening to I Protest. And we'll talk to you next week at the same time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, Don. Take care.